0: Hey, and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 337. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, and today I'm so delighted to be chatting with Fawn Germer, a reporter turned irreverent, beloved, best selling author of nine books, and a keynote speaker and career coach who's going to help us break down how to bounce back in this post, sort of post-COVID-19, although not really, (laughs) in this recovering COVID-19 economy. You may have seen the jobs reports in recent months. Hiring is very much on the rise across almost every industry. So the time is now to put your pedal to the metal when it comes to prioritizing your job search. And we're going to break down and, and really give you some real talk about how to make this a priority. A couple things to know about Fawn before we dive in. She has been a keynote speaker for more than 80 Fortune 500 companies and was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize four times. Her latest book, Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You Lost the Job You Need, shows how to save your career before it tanks. In writing the book, she interviewed more than 300 CEOs, senior executives, academics, experts, and professionals to find out how to come back rather than sputter out. Without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Fawn. Fawn Germer, welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to learn more about you and especially about this latest book of yours, Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. But this is far from your first book. Tell us about how you got into this work of being an author and speaker.
1: Well, the only thing I ever wanted to do when I was growing up was be a newspaper reporter. That mm. was it. And so I had a very good long run as a journalist and even wound up where you are in Denver reporting. And in fact, that's where I encountered this huge boss hole who <laughs> just, you know, one day he told me, you think you're going to be a columnist and you're never going to be more than a reporter. Mm. And I... You know, I always say sometimes your, your greatest mentors are your tour mentors. And if he hadn't been such a jerk, I would have been stuck in a dying industry, not sure what to do with my life. And instead I, I tried for two years, I did that t- typical female thing of trying to get this guy to appreciate and love me and didn't work. Mm. So then after two years, I said, that's it. And I ended up getting hired as an editor in Tampa and I I chose to come back to Florida. My mom was ill and I am a Floridian and Mm -hmm. that was the best decision ever, except I was the worst manager ever because as an investigative reporter, I had certain traits that really defined me. And that was that I was impatient, (laughs) very um, black and white thinking, get it done now. Mm. And that's not really how you win friends and influence people as a leader, <laughs> right. And especially as a strong woman in a very male-dominated environment. So I went looking for a book that would tell me how to be effective as a woman in a male-dominated place, and there mm. was nothing. And a friend of mine said, well, you're a journalist. You should write it. And mm. I said, I am so sick of people writing books about things they know nothing about. And that was really the moment that changed my life to this day because my trademark, and and this book's a little different, but I'm still doing this. My trademark is that I've interviewed so many hundreds of great women, trailblazers and leaders to find out what they learned the hard way. So we Mm -hmm. wouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. And my first book, Hard One Wisdom, I just had this great plan for it. And you know, the one thing that, that, kept coming up again and again with all these women I was interviewing was that you can never know what you can accomplish if you don't take the risk. Mm. And it's okay if you fail a little bit because you have to take the risk. And so I ended up quitting my job to write the book. Wow. And had this plan that I would do the interviews, submit the proposal. There would be a bidding war on my book. It would sell for high six figures, maybe low seven. Mm. And then, the book would come out and Oprah would get it. And she'd wake me up in the middle of the night and say, Fawn, I just read your book. I've got to have you here on my show. And she'd send the Learjet to fetch me and we'd get on so well, I'd go for dinner at the condo that night for her and Stedman and (laughs) Gail. But I always tell people, always have a plan because Mm -hmm. that is the greatest piece of fiction you will ever write. (laughs) And in my case, I quit my job to write the book and I floundered. The mm-hmm. book got rejected by every major publisher in the United States. And it if you looked at this file that I still have of all those rejection letters, it's so clear that my dream was never going to happen. Mm. And that's why I tell people you have to have faith in yourself. And And even yesterday, this guy who hired me at the Tampa paper sent me an email saying there are a lot of people at the Tribune who had to eat crow Mm. because everybody laughed when you quit to do that. And you know what? (laughs) I'm glad they're, they're eating crow on that (laughs) because I just, you know, I just kept going. I kept getting rejected and had to figure it out and it was a format issue and did have a bidding war on my book. And, then it came out the day before 9-11 and my tour got canceled and I had to fight through that. <sighs> and I wrote my 29 letters to Oprah and something worked. Mm-hmm. But one thing happened while I was struggling and didn't have a publisher. And that was that a, a former colleague of mine, Carrie Smith said, you know, you do to think about being a professional speaker. Mm-hmm. I said, you get paid to do that? And she goes, oh yeah, people make a lot of money doing that. So I looked it up and sure enough, you can make a lot of money doing that. And while I was waiting for everything to happen, I started going to Toastmasters every week and I practiced my speaking. And by the time that book came out, I was a good speaker. And Mm -hmm. then by the time Oprah held it up and endorsed it, I launched a speaking career that has been more fun than I can describe. So I have nine books. Mm. I do a lot of women's leadership work and, and hard one wisdom was that first book. And I'm just going to start the hard one wisdom podcast. Cause I love that idea of getting wisdom from great women. That's great. But the other books are, you know, they look at things that I'm interested in and coming back is, you know, that's about how to stay relevant so that you don't screw your career up. And right. It's really important right
0: now. And it, it feels like you have really navigated your own many series of reinventions and that's what so many folks are finding themselves needing to do right now whether it's being laid off due to covid or questioning whether they ever want to stay in this workplace because nothing quite like a global pandemic to right, to make you reevaluate. It, yeah, exactly. For folks who are looking to to make a big change, I think there's a lot of fear. So how do you begin to unpack the the feeling of who the heck am i i'm working from home no one knows me anymore how do i stay relevant how do i stay viable how do i stay future focused when it comes to career planning when we're all just at home in our slippers you know trying to trying to make ends meet
1: well you got to knock that crap off <laughs> seriously if you are living in fear because of any of this you will suffer for that and this is a moment where everybody is challenged mm. and yet the sun rises and sets and you can continue to live a good life no matter what mm. no matter what so that if you are scaring the heck out of yourself because if you're unemployed you're competing with so many people you have to find a better strategy and, and that's what my book coming back's is about is strategy so that You know, you aren't relying on what you've done in the past, but instead are prepared for the future and get the right courses. And all of these things you can do to make yourself relevant because Mm. that's so important. But for goodness sakes, don't scare yourself because that will make you freeze up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying, you know, I I think what I hear you saying is, you know, in order to be tolerant of all the risks required to be a job seeker these days and just keep putting yourself out there, navigating rejection after rejection, which so it's so common, right? It takes twice as long to get a job yeah. nowadays as it has in the past. Uh, you can't afford to be your own bully. You got to you got to be right. on your own team, right? Yeah.
1: Right, and you have to live your life. So if you're doing fun things with part of your life, then the thing that's so difficult isn't so bad.
0: Yeah, I I think of that as like diversifying your identity, right? Like I'm not just an unemployed person. (laughs) I am a volleyball player or I'm someone who plays music or whatever it is doesn't have to be expensive that you can you know, create some semblance of meaning from.
1: You know, Newsweek did an interview with me a couple weeks ago and and said – how did you handle the pandemic? And I said, well, business was a challenge. The kayaking was magnificent. (laughs) And that's really an important thing. Think about it. I'm a professional speaker. I make my money when there's a big convention and conference. Right. So in one week's time, a whole year of business canceled.
0: Oh, I I mean, it went boom, 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 boom.
1: It was just horrible. And I was in my kitchen and I just started laughing. And I thought, I've been here before. Mm. I had a book come out at 9-11 and turn that into a bestseller. <laughs> and I learned that in moments when everyone else gives up, we have our greatest opportunity to succeed. Mm. And that's where we are right now. We have to get it together and focus mm. and and succeed.
0: So what are some of the top strategies that you would recommend people consider? What's like one that you think not enough folks are even thinking about?
1: Well, you have to make yourself relevant. And so instead of saying what you did, constantly add things into your repertoire so you're more attractive. And there are these courses you can take for free at edX.org and coursera.org so that you can study things like innovation, artificial intelligence, robotics, blockchain, all of these things that are going to be issues as we move forward. Mm. It's not enough to freeze up and and say, oh, I don't understand that. Because if if you have been at work for any significant time, your salary has increased over time, Mm. right? So if you've got one of the higher paychecks in the the workplace, right. Or if you're trying to match that and, and do it, you have to be able to deliver more than a fresh college graduate who is so tech savvy. They don't even think about any of that. Mm. And you don't have to be a programmer, but you do know how to have, have to know how to match these technologies that are coming for what's coming for trends in your profession. Mm. And the first thing you need to do is Google. Like if you're <laughs> in the insur- insurance industry, you Google, Trends in the insurance industry. And Mm -hmm. then read that. And then Google artificial intelligence trends in the insurance industry. And then the different elements of technology and see how that's happening. And then you can drop that into conversation and you can get well versed in the things you're going to need to know. Totally. But you absolutely have to be
0: current. Mm. It's interesting, you know, people I think for have, have forgotten the lost art of simply reading up on things in your spare time. Yeah, right. Well, there is no spare time, right? Right. I don't know if it's that or the fact that there's such great television right now, but, (laughs) you know, equal parts reading up on your industry when it is not in your job description and talking to people who are in your industry when that, you know, networking is not in anyone's job description more often than not – it's, it's so in my job description. It's so hey, important. Stop right yeah. there. Stop oh, yeah. right there. Yeah.
1: That is in my job description and it better be in everybody's job description. Mm, tell me networking. more. Networking, networking is working. That is the most important part of your job description because that gives you opportunity and protection and ideas and camaraderie. There's so many things that you get from networking. And a lot of people thought that once we had the lockdown,
0: mm. that meant
1: there was no more networking. How's, how's your networking going?
0: It's, it's something I have to be deliberate
1: about. It's less fun. I'll tell you that. Oh, my God. I'm having the best time networking than I've ever had in my life. And,
0: oh, tell me more about that.
1: Well, wow. because so as a speaker, I meet a lot of pretty influential people. And they're all really busy people. Mm. But I learned, and this is important, that when you network, it's not about knowing somebody's title or knowing them professionally. It's about knowing, like, I heard your dog. It's like, I need to, you know, are you a dog person? <laughs> are you a cat person? Yeah. Do you like, what I, do you like to cycle like me or kayak? Or, where did you grow up? It's, you find those common things and you turn them into friends. Mm-hmm. So I had some pretty influential friends who are so busy. Mm. And when the lockdown happened, I thought, boy, nobody's doing anything. So I <laughs> sent a Zoom invite out to 15 super women. And mm-hmm. I'm saying these are these are big deal people, some CEOs, C-suite people, you know, and they're not great just because they have titles. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like some sort of name dropper or snob, but I'm just saying they're very busy people. And I sent this Zoom invite and said, I'm going to do a Zoom call Tuesday at six, if you want to come Mm -hmm. thinking that six of the 15 would come. And when we got there, there were 15 people. Wow. And what universe would those 15 people ever have the same time available? And you would never do it. You'd have a doodle poll going around in circles and you would never get it to happen, Mm. but nobody was doing anything. And so we started doing these monthly calls and, we still are doing them because we love them and mm. nobody's doing anything. So if you don't have the right network, get it. And here's mm-hmm. how you want to hear this, please. Yes. Okay. So we got LinkedIn. Do you love LinkedIn?
0: I actually do. All I right? do. I'm on
1: it. I'm not crazy <laughs> for it. My okay. deal is let me put my kayaking pictures on Facebook.
0: Right. Right. You right.
1: see the pictures of my dog, but <laughs> you, you have to make peace with LinkedIn. So pick, 10 companies where you might want to work and start adding people in the positions that you may want to know at those companies Mm -hmm. and don't bug them. Don't write this introductory BS email, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Just
1: start following them and comment on the things they're posting because that's flattering to people. They like to see that, right? And after they see your name a few times, then send them an article or something as an email and, and then After you do that, that's when you hit them up and you say, hey, I'm really interested in your company and I'm not quite sure how to break in. Can we do a Zoom and coffee sometime? Just 15 minutes.
0: That's good. And
1: because you've cultivated them, they're likely to do it. So if you don't have the network right now, you can get
0: the network. Mm. I love that. I think that's a really, really good point. And I just think it's smart to play to people's flattery, right? To... To be interested, be genuinely interested with, in terms of what they're posting, what they're sharing, what's going on yeah. in their world, I think that is, you know, genuine interest and curiosity in other people's lived experiences right now would take us a lot, a lot of the way there in terms of building I, new I connections. Mean, the,
1: the word is genuine because I, I'm not someone, like I said, I was a journalist, so I'm not very good at flattery. <laughs> yeah. But I am good at being real. Mm -hmm. And so just share a little bit of yourself so people can connect with you as a human being. Mm. And the other thing, if I could give to every one of your listeners would be a little bit of that audacity I had as a reporter, which is that I would go up to people who were very full of themselves and seemed very important. And I would ask very difficult questions because I didn't go to them as someone who thought they're better than me. I dealt with them as professionals. So don't assume that anybody is any better than you. You're as good as anybody else. You may Mm -hmm. be having
0: some challenges, but
1: you're as good as anybody else.
0: Mm. I think that's an interesting point. Taking that sort of peer to peer mentality goes a long way too. Absolutely. You mentioned something earlier I want to expand upon, which was, you know, as a job seeker, talking about what you will do instead of relying simply on what you have done. What what does that mean exactly?
1: Well, that is such a big part of my book because people apply for jobs and they want to talk about all the experience and the awards and things they've accomplished and don't understand that in this day and age, nobody cares. They don't. (laughs) They do not care. I call this the death of experience. And I'm really sorry Because I would love somebody to look at my background and say, wow, that's very impressive. But this is a what have you done for me lately world. Mm. And it's really not even that. It's about what are you going to do for me tomorrow and then in five years. So they don't care if you're the best person for the job today. Mm. They need to know that in five years, you're going to be the best person for the job. And so experience gives you an advantage later when it's between two people and they're equal, and then they say, Well, what have they done? But that's not what's going to get you in the game right now.
0: Mm. And how can how can job seekers position themselves to be future focused on the interview, for instance?
1: Well, you have to read my book, but <laughs> <laughs> right? right. No, it's I go into this very much on, on how you drop these things into conversation, what you have to be reading, mm. how you're ready so that you sound as relevant as somebody who is. 20 years old or at 30 or 40 or at whatever age, like you've got it going on. Mm. And so you have to position yourself as kind of an expert on now. Mm. And Mm -hmm. that's not hard to do. It takes a little bit of work, but you can do that.
0: Yeah. You know, you've mentioned age a few times. Do you feel like this is especially important for more experienced professionals. Do you think running into ageism yeah. and, and navigating ageism on the on the job search is something that you're really addressing in the book?
1: Well, that is really where it started. but mm-hmm. I mean Derek, because you've got a very young voice, dare I ask how old you are? I am 33. Okay, so you've got seven more years. Do you know that? Did you get a memo telling you that in seven years you're going to reach your peak? earnings Mm. right don't you think you're going to keep increasing it every year but it something happens with women at about age 40 and men at 47 and that is that our earning capacity stalls out so you may get raises and those are cost of living raises and the lucky ones keep accelerating and doing better and bigger and, and whatever but statistically you're Peak earnings occur at age 40. And so that is where the discrimination begins. Now, right. is there age discrimination? Absolutely. There's tons of it. But a lot of people hear that and use that as an excuse. It's mm. not an excuse. And it's, it's an explanation. Mm. And the reason that exists is because there is an assumption that the longer you've been doing it, the less likely you are to have stayed current and relevant. So you
0: can buck that by getting relevant. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, it is, it's a hard thing to hear, I think, for someone who's running into ageism, sexism, racism, <laughs> that it's right. an, ex- it, it is a explanation, not an excuse, but it, it, it goes back to, I think, your earlier points on resilience, rejection, Right. Yeah. This world is not fair. <laughs> this well, world is not equally distributing of of goods and and resources. So how would you counsel someone who's feeling really well, frustrated?
1: I'd tell them to stop saying this world is not fair because it is what it is. It's is was it unfair that when I was younger I had huge opportunities? I I certainly took advantage of them. And so this is just these are the Things that we deal with. If you live your life in more of a balanced big picture, you have family, you have other things, then it doesn't seem so dramatic and horrible. Mm. And it, the big thing I tell people and the, and the most important thing is take the next step. Don't surround yourself with people who are naysayers or who are are miserable. If you've got a lot of friends who are unemployed and they're commiserating with you, that will keep you unemployed. So you want to be around people that give you hope and you take control of that negative message and you keep taking the next step. So Mm. I live in Florida. I'm a big beach walker. And if I'm going to walk 13 miles on the beach one day, by mile seven, my feet are screaming in pain. They are screaming. They want me to stop.
0: Mm.
1: But I've learned that if I take the next step, And the next and the next sooner or later I get where I need to go. So if you are trying to find a new opportunity, whether you're working now or unemployed, it's painful. Just like my feet, right? (laughs) It hurts. Yeah. But if you take the next step and the next and the next, you will get where you need to go. The Mm. people who don't get there are the ones who get frustrated. They slow down. They stop looking. They think they aren't going to get anything. And so all they are doing is creating more opportunity for you because you're going to take the next step.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you have any words of, of advice that you've received? I know you've talked to so many high achieving, brilliant people uh, as a journalist, as an author, as someone who interviews a lot of people. Do you feel like you've ever heard advice that's really stuck with you? Over the course of your career, when weathering storms, when when calling upon your resilience.
1: Well, I've heard a lot and so if we've got me, I'll tell you the best advice, some of it okay. One being I have a three-step formula for dealing with crisis mm. because I, my mom was sick for 20 years. She was paralyzed by a stroke, she had Alzheimer's. Mm. And I realized the faster I learned to accept, cope, and adapt, the faster I could be happy with what we had instead of worrying about what we'd lost. Mm. Because I knew when she started repeating herself 100 times, I knew the day would come when I wouldn't even hear her voice. Yeah. Or then when she would just be there silent, I at least could see her and hold her and love her because mm. the day would come when she'd be gone. So I knew accept, cope, adapt. So that's the first thing. Mm. Another thing, and, and this is something we as women are, are terrible to ourselves with our self-esteem. And early into my interviews, I did an interview with a woman who created Nature Sunshine Vitamins. And it was a company she started with $150 and an idea. She had no college degree, seven kids, turned it into a company that this year will make more than $600 million. And I said, wow, what's your leadership style? And she goes, well, I go to the closet and I try to find something that fits me because I'm overweight. And then I go out in the world and I do the best I can. And I said, wow, I said, you know, I just read this article about you and you have five houses and all kinds of money and all the success that any of us would ever aspire to. And you're not kind to yourself. And she said, no. And I said, so you've got a self-esteem issue. She goes, can you imagine what it's like to stand in front of a vitamin company and be overweight? And, and. I started asking all of these super women about their self-esteem and found out that fairly universally universally people were negative to themselves they were really hard on themselves and that freed me to love myself as I was whether I'm overweight or not whether I am acting smart or not I just give myself a break because all of that negativity we put in our head is garbage It's garbage. If these people that we put on a pedestal are doing the same thing, that tells you it's not real. And especially now, if you feel like you've been kicked around a little bit because of the COVID stuff, be kind to yourself. If you gained weight during COVID, which a lot of people did, right? Say this, a healthy body's a perfect body. Because I learned that when my best friend got cancer, You know, a healthy body is a perfect body tell yourself you're going to get through all of this because you're strong enough. You're smart enough. You deserve it. There's nothing wrong with you. What you've been telling yourself about the problems in your brain, that's, that's not real. That self-esteem stuff is just garbage.
0: Mm, Absolutely. I think that is such a wonderful note to end on. Fawn Germer, where can our listeners learn more about you and your work and your fantastic new book coming back, how to win the job you want when you've lost the job you need.
1: Well, the first thing you do is, uh, I sent you some links for the show page, and that's I've got two freebies. One is so that you can recharge your career during COVID, and the other is on taking the next step. So those are free. You can sign up and get those. Then you can go to my website, which is at fawngermer.com, and that's F-A-W-N like Nancy, G-E-R-M like Michael, E-R.com, fawngermer.com. My book is everywhere, so you can just Um, hit your favorite resource to get books and and look for coming back. And I love to hear from people. My social media is all over my webpage if you want to hook up that way. But I love hearing from emails and things about what people are going through. So stay in touch, people.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Fawn. I will put links to all of those wonderful resources in today's show notes. Fawn Germer, thanks for sharing your time and expertise with us today. It's great to talk to you. To learn more and get links to all the resources Spawn and I discussed, head to bossuporg episode 337. That's bossuporg episode 337. And now it's time for this week's boss move of the week. This week, I am delighted to be celebrating a client of ours, Christy in Dallas, who's a current member of our Level Up Leadership Accelerator. She's been making all kinds of impressive boss moves lately after Christy started Level Up having just been let go from her education technology position of 19 years. Now, she joined Level Up because she was determined to sharpen her management and leadership skills while she continued her job search as part of her retooling plan. And I'm thrilled to report that just three short months later, halfway through the program, Christy has stepped up into a change leadership position At a new ed tech company where she's implementing everything she's been learning through Level Up in real time, starting with creating a new strategic plan for the departments and direct reports that she oversees. Congrats on this major achievement, Christy, and on the major impact you're having at this new company already. I'm sure the next few decades are going to be just as, if not more, impactful and impressive than the ones that preceded this. Congratulations. And now, boss, I want to hear from you. If you've got a career conundrum that will inspire a future episode or you got a boss move to share, I want to hear from you. Call it in to the Boss Up Podcast hotline at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. You can also send me a voice note, a voice memo <laughs> at info at So what did you think about what Fawn had to say today? I'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and what you would add to this conversation. Tag me on Instagram with your thoughts at org or at Emily Aries or let's keep the conversation going in the Boss Up Courage community on Facebook. I hope to see you there. Until next time, let's keep bossing in pursuit of our purpose, and together let's lift as we climb.